everybody. Welcome to the In and After Show. It's me, Lindsay Loveridge, and James Beckett is here. We're going to be talking about uh, episode three of Chainsaw Man, which if you haven't watched it yet, that went up today um, and was another really, really good episode. A lot of action. Yeah, a lot of action, a lot of room, room. Um, but before we get to that, we also have um, quite a few news stories this week uh, of varying topics. We have an update on the Bayonetta situation since last week. Um, Helena Taylor has come forward with a new statement that kind of contradicts her past statement and puts everything in a different light than where we, we left it last week. Um, we've got some news about AI art, which has kind of been a hot topic on social. If you've uh, been involved at all with that, about the ethics behind mm -hmm. artificial intelligence art and certain Japanese websites are are putting out some new rules about how they're going to handle submissions of artwork that use AI. And then also Discotech had a huge stream last night where they announced a ton of new licenses that cover all kinds of genres, whether you're like into Mecca or you're into magical girl stuff, or you like uh, just older classics, uh, all of that was there. So we'll be talking about some of those and the ones that we're most excited about. Um, but before we do that, just want to remind everyone to please subscribe to this channel. We're here at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. You can watch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, as a heads up, I am recovering from a horrible flu slash stomach virus. Uh, I am no longer vomiting, which is great, but I may have a low-grade fever right now. So if I seem weirder than usual, I'm hallucinating, probably. So. Well, well, any any incriminating nonsense that you spout will be captured on video and uh, saved forever on the internet. So there's nothing to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happens tonight will follow me for the rest of my life. Yep. So that's it. Should be. Know. With that said, uh, we have a sponsor this week. Ooh. <laughs> um, Alchemy Stars, which is a mobile game. Um, they have a new event coming up that is Halloween themed, and they have decided to very nicely sponsor this episode of the a and After Show. So uh, we have a quick trailer to play from them. So let's get that going. Not gonna lie, that song was a bop. Yeah, that was a good song. Uh, I have not personally played Alchemy Stars, but I've been looking for a new mobile game to kind of get obsessed with ever since I quit playing uh, Cookie Run Kingdoms. So maybe I'll try that one out next. It looks like it's got some tactical aspects to it that look kind of neat. Yeah, so, I love I like grid battle systems like that. That's always a, a fun, um, especially when you have like a, you know, a, a big roster of all the gotcha characters. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so before we get to uh, Chainsaw Man and maybe the news, all this dropped um, literally like half an hour or so before we started this is when I first noticed it. Um, I don't know how many of our, our viewers watched The Simpsons, but The Simpsons, uh, every Halloween, they have the Treehouse of Horrors special which usually references pop culture, which is pretty standard for The Simpsons, but also like horror TV and movies. And they're deciding to do a little bit of anime this time around. So I have a clip here for the upcoming episode, which will feature Death Tome, 
aka Death Note, and yeah. it looks like it falls um, uh, falls into the hands of Lisa this time around. So let's check it out. This is giving me some um, hardcore Neo Yokio flashbacks. Yeah. Gender reveal napalm is great. That's just a great joke. That if is. you follow the kind of stuff that's happened in the news with people attempting to do that stuff. Huh? I'm actually surprised it took them this long to do a Death Note parody, though. For any anime parody. I mean, they've done, yeah. like, anime jokes, but... So this was animated by Doctor Movie, which they worked they worked on the original Death Note as well, although they weren't the primary studio. Um, sure. Yeah, it's a really short clip. Um, Still, this is wild. This is a wild. Yeah, it's just it yeah, completely nuts that we're getting uh, Lisa Simpson with Death Note. There's a bunch of references to veganism in there too. I kind of wonder what she's going to do with it in the upcoming episode, but I just got a kick out of that and kind of wanted to share it. I know it's um, funny that I mean I guess it's in keeping with the Simpsons that it's like big foray into like proper anime parodies with Death Note, which yeah. you know it's I mean I'm not I'm never gonna claim that Death Note is, is out of fashion because let's be real, you know, Death Note. I mean it's but, getting it's getting a new live action adaptation from the Duffer brothers now. So the I guys, saw that. There's the guys who work on Stranger just, Things, yeah. They're just pretending they never did that first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wiping that. Is, can you? Still Which watch I it? liked. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm one of like the eight people that liked that movie. <laughs> all I, all I know about the that movie is that there was that prom sequence, and that's. I think people oh, ragged it, on that a lot. It, it's dumb as hell. <laughs> it is, it is straight up stupid. But it's, it's a fun kind of. Willem Dafoe casting was perfect though, and I kind of hope they get him to come back for the new one because yeah. that was just. That was perfect casting. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, watch out for the, the next uh, Treehouse of Horror special in The Simpsons where you can watch the full length Lisa Gets a Death Note uh, bit. I'm kind of excited for it. I wonder if they'll do the, the potato chip scene. I wonder if they'll... <laughs> that would be I mean, good. Homer, like Homer with a donut, like that's that writes itself. If they don't do that, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. So from the news this time, I think we'll start with AI art and how artificial intelligence does not know how to eat ramen. So that's kind of where the story starts a little bit. You can read about this on Anime News Network. Um, there was sort of this online meme going on where people were trying to... Uh, make AI art that involved this character from Idolmaster eating ramen. And whenever the AI would attempt to draw, generate this, um, they don't know, the computers don't know how we eat ramen. So there's a lot of pictures Let's eating see, ramen making, incorrectly. Making a lot of assumptions about how any random, completely non-specific person might actually eat ramen in his day-to-day -day life. <laughs> and I just want to say that if there is someone out there who maybe likes to shove ramen in their face by the handfuls like a greedy little ramen monkey <laughs> that you are loved uh, and you're okay and you write really good reviews and you don't need to listen to all of the trash that people are talking about you so your choice is valid yeah <laughs> uh, 
James, uh, we can't ever eat ramen together. I can't take you <laughs> to a ramen restaurant if you're going to shove it directly into your face. But um, so it's because well, I'm not a pretty anime girl. There's <laughs> right. the discrimination here. <laughs> so that was kind of what got things off um, started. I mean, the AI art conversation has been happening for a while. Is it actually art? Is it are you a valid creator if you plug in some words into an AI generator to create art for you? Um, what does this do to artistic labor? All those other sorts of things. And the, um, there are websites that are currently basically trying to figure out how to approach this topic as well, um, like Dojin websites and um, other websites that, that deal with fan art, because now people have this new tool that they're using to quickly generate or create fan art. And in some cases, they could monetize it, but that's not in the same spirit of the rules that these sites originally created. Uh, these terms under. So in Japan specifically, it's been Fanza, uh, DL site. DL site's a pretty big one for Dojin and things like that. Um, Skeb and Nico Nico. Most people are probably familiar with Nico Nico. Um, they're also a video hosting site. So um, just within the last month, Fanza, DL site, Skeb, and Nico Nico have all announced changes to their rules to specifically handle the new influx of AI generated art. Um, a couple of them are not going to allow those to be monetized at all. Uh, this includes uh, Nico Nico um, and DL site, although that might change in the future depending on how much AI was utilized. But I think this is sort of an interesting question, just in that how do you uh, how do you know how much or how do you, if you're a creator how do you prove that well I only used this to like generate a conceptual outline and then I drew it myself and how do you prove that um and I don't know I just think it, it also raises some interesting questions about what is art necessarily James what do you think like as far as like do you feel that like this AI system is just a new tool because I've seen that argument online where this is just a new tool to be utilized it's just new technology and we need to you know kind of get with the times and accept it I have a hard time with that idea so much because I know a fair amount of, of artists and I have dabbled just sort of to see what I can do with AI art. Um, it's not great yet. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it takes some actual skill to get uh, quality art out of an AI generator, but um, knowing like the, the amount of time that it does typically take an artist to create um, a great piece of fan art or original art and then jumping over to AI. It just doesn't feel like it's the same. No, I agree. Um, it's, it, and it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird and difficult distinction to make because like, for instance, I think you could totally argue that, you know, if you generated like a hundred AI art of anime girls eating ramen with their mouth, with their hands. Yeah. Um, but then you like, manipulated them and rearranged them and like, you know, turn them into like a collage or something, or, you know, used your own like intentionality and, and thought process and artistic process to make something new out of those materials. Um, I could totally see the argument for AI generation being, you know, a kind of tool. Mm -hmm. um, and of course it's, it's kind of one of those individualistic interpretations, but I think there does have to be a certain level of, 
um, intent and of skill is the wrong word because even, you know, like amateurs can still make art, but there needs to be a, a certain amount of craftsmanship. And I don't think that plugging a few words into a an algorithm search engine is necessarily the level of craftsmanship that I would consider to be the threshold there. Yeah. Um, and now, and I'm sure that there are, are a dozen people out there that could make very convincing arguments to the contrary, but I, I agree that there's, um, and there's something about it that just personally, you know, feels very um, like sterile and uh, almost a little, almost a little scary just from the perspective of, yeah, it's not good now. But what's going to happen 20 years from now when it has two decades worth of data to you know peruse and uh, mix mix and match? And what's going to happen when, for instance, um, you know, an anime studio says, "Oh, hey, we can use this AR to generate some pretty um, stellar-looking uh, backgrounds." Uh, yeah. So let, let's fire a third of our artists so we don't have to worry about paying them to to produce that content. Yeah. Um, and so I think on a on a cultural level too even though maybe we could get to a point where the software could produce product or content that is mm -hmm. potentially not discernible from something that like a person made by hand. I think that there, I think that we need to, and this is a, a larger conversation that we can say for another day, but I think that when it comes to automation in general, we as a society have to be really careful with, how far we're willing to go when it comes to just completely removing the human element from from creating the stuff that we we consume um not not purely from like a philosophical level but just just a uh a functional level an economical level like yeah i mean we i don't think we want to get rid of of these these practices and they're never going to go away completely but um you know this sounds like the kind of thing that a mark zuckerberg or a jeff bezos would just uh you know Start yeah. drooling over. I and, saw uh, an argument in the ANN forums that brought up, um, well, you know, what if you're what if you write a light novel and you just need a cover illustration and a couple of insert illustrations? This would be perfect for that. And I could totally see, you know, someone doing that where they write their novel and then they're like, Well, I know what I want my characters to look like, so I can just, you know, plug some stuff in to get a generic cover and a couple of insert images and then I don't have to pay anyone for it and it's like and that seems to be the crux of it it's like this will save me money by not being able, not having to outsource this to a, a person um when I can just use this tool and it's like yeah okay but I don't know yeah it feels it's, hollow to me yeah uh, it's 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 a kind of entitlement that I don't think it's talked about a lot where, mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of uh, crass and not very um, genuine arguments about like the entitlement of, of the, the millennials or the entitlement of Zoomers when it comes to things like wanting fair paying wages or, you know, wanting to not get um, uh, harassed or discriminated against, right? Yeah. Uh, want, wanting to not get shot <laughs> when you're walking <laughs> out in the street. But yeah. there is something that I've noticed where, there's this kind of entitlement to, to be able to, to, to participate in any kind of like activity or whatever, um, regardless of, of the threshold, uh, like that, that example that you gave where it's like, well, you know, I want to write a light novel, but I can't afford to pay an artist. 
um, to collaborate with me to create the the illustrations. So instead, I'll take advantage of this this you know free service that will you know bypass that whole that whole process. Yeah, and I honestly think that I've, I've uh, maybe this is just me becoming a grumpy old man, but this is one of those things where I kind of think that there should be certain barriers to entry when the the soul of the actual process is at stake. So, like, if you are in a position where like you're trying to write a light novel, but you you simply cannot afford in any way, shape, or form to hire any artist or find any artist to collaborate with to make your work. Well, then maybe you should just release your book without the pictures, you know, like, maybe, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, I think that, I think that we, we, we should maybe go back to defining some of those, some of those, those uh, hurdles that we have to overcome in order to produce the kind of art that we want to produce. Because, I mean, if we, if we toss all this aside, then eventually we're going to get to the worst, you know, possible outcome where someone says, I want to make an anime. Uh, and I don't have to hire anyone now because I can use AI software to generate all the voices and I can use AI software to generate all the art. And I can use AI software to, you know, uh, create the, the animation loops in between all the keyframes. And now um, I, I can I can turn out uh, probably crap uh, yeah. and um, rake in all the profits. And of yeah. course, that's not to say that like people couldn't make good stuff, but it's like you said, it just makes me feel weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's just this sort of weird, uncanny feeling about like this isn't this isn't how it's supposed to this isn't how it's supposed to work. What is yeah? Don't don't feel don't feel good about it in general. To quote um, Switch from the Matrix, not like this, <laughs> not like this. I feel that way a lot these days. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, speaking of uh, not like this, so we're going to talk about Bayonetta now. Um, last week, uh, the where things were last week is Bloomberg had published a piece. Uh, they had gotten inside sources from uh, Platinum Games to tell them that the offer made to Helena Taylor, the previous voice of Bayonetta for Bayonetta 3, was actually closer to $15,000 because it was to be three to $4,000 per session for a total of four to five sessions. Um, so that was, and that was in contrast to what she had said because Helen, Helena Taylor had previously said, well, I was only offered $4,000 to be in the game. And she disputed the statements about it being more than that and said that they were entirely false. Well, come to find out, Helena Taylor decided to release another statement and it is actually in line with a lot of what was published by Bloomberg. In this case, she said that she was actually offered initially $10,000 to star in the game and then um, went to Hideki Kamiya and he offered her an additional $5,000 for a total of $15,000 to be in the game. Um, that she asked, that she rejected this offer, was asking for what she described as a livable wage. Mm -hmm. And then um, went, some time went by, they came back to her and offered um, her the opportunity to uh, basically do some cameo style lines for $4,000 total. Um, that whole bit about the $10,000 Coming fifteen thousand dollars, being re rejecting that and only getting off. That was not included in her original statements at all. Um, everyone up to this point was operating under the assumption that she was only offered four thousand dollars 
period. Um, and that was like end of discussion. And then they went and hired Jennifer Hale instead. Um, so this really kind of changes up everything. Um, I think you can still have an argument of whether that $15,000 is um, a good number or not to start with, but I'm kind of in the camp right now where even if that isn't um, a reasonable offer, not leading with that is detrimental to the movement in general because now we have this example of so-and-so said, and they were lying. And now when other people come forward and say that they were undercut, uh, they were, they might be lying too, or we don't know if they're telling the truth because, you know, this, this larger case happened and it's happened before. It just kind of feeds to the, the questionable rhetoric that people like to buy into when they just want to buy their game and not think about how it's made. Yeah. So that's, I found that pretty disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, she also, she also denied that she asked for $250,000. I don't know that that number was ever actually thrown around though. It no wasn't. one ever, no one ever said that she was offered $250,000. The number was uh, six digits, which is anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars to $999,000. So um, if she wasn't offered 200 or if she didn't ask for $250,000, um, okay. But I don't think anyone ever said she did. Um, well, and, and given the track record, that could easily mean that she definitely asked for like $248,000, you know, like that's, yeah. that's the unfortunate thing when, when, I mean, we don't know, right. We don't want to say that she intentionally um, misled anyone or lied, but it's hard from my end, it's it's hard for me to think that the thought process wasn't something similar to, well, if I go on here and complain about getting the $15,000, people are going to look at that and say, oh, well, that's a pretty standard rate for the job you're being asked to do. Mm -hmm. Never mind that, I mean, just on like a separate level, yes, voice actors should be paid more. They probably they should be given residuals, you know, all the same things that other actors in other industries are, you know, afforded. But yeah. just from a purely like optics level, you it would be difficult to go out there and say, hey, boycott this game. They wanted to pay me about as much as they would have paid most other actors for this exact same job in this exact same position. And so you lead with the 4,000, which again, in context is still a really good rate for the amount of work that was being asked to do, but that isn't communicated. And again, I'm not going to say that it was intentionally a lie, but I don't necessarily know um, why else you, you would choose to go that route, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're going to. And I think that one of the things that makes it so tricky for me is that she, she didn't just send the message to explain, Hey, here's why I chose not to do the part. I feel like I'm being undercut. I feel like I'm not getting the amount of money that I deserve given the, what I contribute to the franchise. Mm -hmm. There was also the call to boycott it. Yeah. So then and that's was, always a big move. Boycott yeah. is always a big move. Um, there's been discussion online too about how uh, people should generally be wary of calls to boycott that are based solely on one individual person's experience. Um, as opposed to it being a, a larger workplace situation that's affecting multiple people, 
or when it's generally based on calls to emotion, which is what this was. People felt really bad for her. You know, she has uh, fans are attached to her as far as the voice of Bayonetta. So they were going to sympathize with her, especially when she said she was only being offered $4,000 for this role. So yeah, the immediate call to boycott um, was a, was a big move to come out with right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, especially because it's like you said, with a video game studio, right? Like even, even when um, the, the, the nature of like uh, residuals for, for developers is also tricky, but I mean, it's, it's well known that for a lot of companies, you know, bonuses and things like that are often determined by the six, you know, the success of a game and sales benchmarks, Metacritic scores, things like that. And, you know, a boycott, it doesn't just affect, you know, the CEO of platinum, right. It doesn't yeah. just affect uh, Nintendo. It, you know, it affects every single person that worked on that game, mm-hmm. um, including all of the other voice actors. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's tricky because on the one hand, obviously we want to support, you know, the, the, the ability for voice actors to fight for their, their rights to be paid and to be properly compensated and to be represented, um, you know, when it comes to negotiating power and stuff like that. But like you said, when it comes to these like really emotion-based kind of self-centered in the sense that it was literally because I, this one actor, I'm not getting paid what I want. You shouldn't buy this game, you know, mm-hmm. period. It's, it's, such, it's such a hard conversation to have because it, um, it makes it harder that now for any other actor who isn't in as high profile of a position to try to make the same argument if they are being legitimately underpaid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and we know they are, I mean, the Jujutsu Kaisen movie thing was held up. Uh, The situation with the mob psycho 100 season three dub cast was happening at the same time. So people were very aware of these situations when this story broke and were likely to, you know, um, feel sympathy for it because we've already seen other actors get paid peanuts for, Mm. for work that made lots of money. Um, that was another discrepancy that that's been brought up is that uh, Taylor has mentioned, I think in both videos, a, a rather large number for, for this franchise, as far as profits that I haven't actually seen substantiated anywhere, something to the tune of like $450 million or something. Yeah. Like From what yeah. I've seen, the only, and, and this is based off of other commentary, cause I haven't looked at the numbers, but I mean, even just, from a purely just a layman's perspective, the only way that number would possibly make sense is if she's also counting like Smash Bros. Oh. Like profits. That's yeah. what that's what people have been saying because she did do voice work for like the five lines or whatever that Bayonetta has in Smash. Right. Okay. And that game has obviously sold enough that if you factor that in, you could maybe count for half a billion dollars. Yeah. But, I mean, there, like, I'm sorry, there's no way that Platinum a mm-hmm. game studio that has famously been on the verge of bankruptcy multiple times yeah. um, within its recent history has a half a billion dollar franchise that it's just been kind of like sitting on. Like that just does not make any sense. Yeah. Uh, mathematically. Yeah. Yeah. So who's to say where this will go next? I don't know if, um, you know, if Platinum will just kind of want to like brush it under the rug. Um, I've seen some early reviews come out for Bayonetta 3 and they weren't great. 
actually, but really? Um, oh, really? I was... well, I've only seen okay, I said some, but I've seen one, and I think it was more based on um, some some of the uh, story decisions as far oh, as I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, female characters go. So, um, you know, I'll have to see, but again, I don't know if this in the end will have affected the sales uh, very much for Bayonetta three. Um, this kind of got wrapped up right before the major release date. So there's that. Um, and I don't know if Platinum will want to pursue anything. I don't know if they even could pursue anything legally after all this has kind of come out into the open, but yeah. Yeah. yeah just sort of, just sort of disappointing in general. Mm -hmm. um, lastly for news, Discotech, I'm just going to share this one up on the screen because there's so, so much, many so many licenses from Discotech. Um, not going to run down details on every single one, um, depending on what your favorite anime flavor is. There was probably something for you in here. Mm -hmm. um, personally, extremely excited for Aim for the Ace, which is an Osamu Dezaki work, uh, same director as... Um, Rosa, Vers Rosa Versailles, and he's um, done Blackjack and a lot of other really uh, pivotal series from that time period. So it's a, a girls sports series about tennis um, that I've been wanting them to get for a while. Um, was really excited to see that they got that. Um, another one for me is Saint Tail, which is another magical girl series that was previously released by Tokyo Pop. Um, wasn't fully dubbed but was fully released. Um, but I was maybe in high school or something when that came out and did not have money. Um, so was not able to buy it, but I read a couple of the floppies when those were released as floppies. So those are the ones that I'm really big. Uh, oh, and Mononoke as well. Although I just bought that on DVD. <laughs> I just bought the <laughs> DVD for that, but Discotech's going to release it on Blu-ray and um, that one is getting a, a new movie. I believe it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen Ayakashi Japanese Horror, that's okay. You can watch this completely standalone. The Medicine Seller is maybe one of my favorite supernatural characters. He's an asshole. Like, he's like, it's the same vein as, um, uh, like, uh, Mushishi mm -hmm. and... Um, I was getting them confused. I got and that's his book of friends, but he's meaner yeah. than both of them. Okay. Really. Yeah. He's okay. just like, is really tired of. I've been uh, meaning to catch up on Mononoke. I just saw that it's also, um, for those of you that are interested in watching it streaming, it is on uh, Retro Crush. Yes, and, it is on um, Retro Crush. I've been meaning because that movie is coming out, and I've uh, I've always been, I've wanted to watch that show for a while. So. Yeah. Were there any any of these that you were particularly interested in? I can't believe Ghost Stories is getting released again. That show is uh, pretty much infamous yeah. at this point. Yeah, and I I, um, uh, I, I was tweeting the other day, and I, I saw some other people too. I I, I don't want any of y'all that have heard like the fables of the the parody dub that AVD did for Ghost Stories. I don't want you to get your hopes up because that thing has aged like nasty old milk. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, it was it was trying to do the super edgy offensive South Park style humor back yeah. when that was a lot more acceptable and like in vogue and it yeah. it was kind of cringy even at the time but you know it was it was the mid two thousands and so doesn't it drop some slurs in there or something oh too? so so many so many R words so many I'm pretty sure they dropped the the F slur quite a yeah, few thought, times yeah. Um, 
yeah. Um, it's not without merit. Thanks, Stephen Foster. Yeah, it's an interesting historical artifact. Now, for my money, what I'm the most excited for, honestly, is um, they got Sonic X. So yeah. um, I, I love me some Sonic. Um, they have the, uh, the Agar, which I've been meaning to get into because my mecha kick has been unstoppable lately. And yeah. then um, I think we've known about this this announcement for a while, but they were showing off in the in their stream the other day the uh, Gunbuster uh, release. That right. Made. Yeah. And that, yeah. Uh, that is that's like that's been something I've been wanting to get my hands on for years. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I think the last time that was released might have been Bandai Visual when they released things themselves. Like there was a, there was a time long long ago where there was both Bandai and Bandai Visual operating separately and releasing anime in the United States. Um, but uh, neither still do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't think my allowance would have covered a uh, an yeah, anime no. DVD release back in the day. The Bandai visual releases were, they had Japanese market prices, so they were really expensive. Uh, is Sonic X, that's not the one where he's got like, he's in a band, is it? Um, There's one where there's like... There's any band content. Sonic, that's like, Sonic X is the one with the... Um, the, the human characters like the little boy oh, and okay. um it's uh it's you know it's very like again like kind of mid 2000s like uh saturday Fox morning things. cartoon yeah. kind of yeah. feel yeah mm -hmm. there was a sonic show where there was a okay yeah i think this maybe came out after because there was a sonic show that was on daytime cartoon block or something mm -hmm. there was a green sonic in it Oh no, that's Sonic Underground. Oh okay, and he yeah. played the drums. Mm -hmm. I, know. Yeah, that's Sonic I only remember it because there was a guy I was friends with in high school who I tried to tell him the show was real, and he thought I was full of crap. And he was like a big Sonic fan. I'm like, no, there really is a show with a green Sonic guy that plays the drum. No, that's not real. And I'm like, it's real. It was a real show. Um. Anyway, so yeah, just a lot of great stuff coming out. Um, can't wait to see what they do with uh aim for the ace as far as quality of that goes but all right so we're gonna talk about anime now um there were a lot of big moments in this episode of chainsaw man but i i want to quickly highlight what was maybe the moment that took the internet by storm this week and it was not chainsaw man it was gundam um these are two uh edits that i pulled off of twitter uh one's by a friend of mine named onikuno um because there's just so many things that you can you can do with this. So a bunch of different people took this specific scene where Choo Choo like knocks this girl's lights out and put it to different things. Um, that one, of course, was like the window shutdown sound. Uh, yeah. This one. I also like that one. Um, I've seen another with uh, the X go uh, give it to you is a classic. A, I haven't seen one. that one. I saw one they did where it was um, the sonic ring noise. Oh, so perfect. it yeah. sounds like a rings are coming out. Um, another friend of mine did one to uh, the theme song from Dragon Maid because there's a part where they say like choo choo rocket or something like that in it and like so yeah. or choo, choo, go go choo choo or something because that's the name of the, the girl who throws the punch is uh, choo choo um, <laughs> yeah chat liked that um, yeah. yeah we can we can watch her punch one more time <laughs> you can watch this literally all day it is such a satisfying sound effect for when her hand makes contact with her face. Mm -hmm. Like when the way like, that the girl's body just like 
it takes her it takes her a second to realize how hard she got hit and yeah. then she goes oh i'm, I'm down i'm down. I'm yeah. out and passed out yeah um i don't have screenshots for gundam but just like the latest episode i guess as a quick summary was mostly about racism yeah spacism right? spacism. spacism space racism yeah um lost thief who was in the chat had a viral tweet this week <laughs> talking about the it was a whole it was a whole situation guys but essentially uh they talk about capitalism in this episode and how the spacians space capitalism the spacians themselves we get the sense that they are taking advantage of earthians for labor and there's been protests and things like that and there's some really obvious um allusions to real life events arguably Someone please let me talk to the staff so I can ask them some questions because other than the, the protests going on and, you know, there's people with signs saying like asking for workers rights and all these other sorts of things. Uh, there's a riot. There's a protest where the Spacians send in their amped up armored robots to, to gas the protesters. And then the news coverage shows that they recovered weapons yeah. The air quotes for people who are just listening on weapons um, recovered the weapons from the protesters. And it's like some Molotov cocktails that haven't been lit and an umbrella <laughs> and yeah. an umbrella. And yeah. it's just like, sorry, Lindsay's politics coming out here, but it just reminds me of like every time I've seen stuff like that, that have come out of um, protests in the U S where they, they show a table with the weapons and it's like a stick of gum and like a pair of shoes or something. And they're like, yeah, look at these deadly weapons we've recovered. Um, a can of soup cameo. Yeah. Like that, like that. And so uh, Nick, Nick put some images of that up there because there, there's a contingent of people who deny that Gundam is about anything but wow cool robots and that exploded into like a larger conversation on Twitter that look I, I just I have to say this because <laughs> okay. I have, I have been working my way through Universal Century bit by bit I'm still in the middle of Zeta it's taken me a while uh -huh. um, and I got uh, oh MS team under my belt I've got OG Gundam um, and I just have to say uh, if you seriously just sit down to watch like one episode of Gundam, any Gundam. It doesn't even really matter which one. It can be any episode. Yeah. If you walk away from that one episode and you think, oh yeah, this show doesn't have anything political to say about anything, I, I don't know how to help you because Gundam is one of the most political anime ever. Iron-Blooded Orphans <laughs> is about literal war orphans being forced to fight in giant robots that like connect to their spines and stuff. It's like... Yeah. This one is about a military industrial complex taking over a company that was originally created to make medical gear and just like murdering everyone to create a, a system that is run entirely by giant capitalist bigwigs that control everything. And they kill each other sometimes or like do alliance like marriage alliances to keep the money and the family and everything it's just like yeah it's extremely obvious and then the argument usually is well yeah but they sell gunpla okay well right 
All right. So yeah, there are toys. There are toys for the show. Um, it's not like a perfect beacon of ideological purity. That's, that's yeah. how it works. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that I, I, I want to go back to celebrating Choo Choo. Okay. I want to yeah, celebrate her smacking the space capitalist right in her dumb mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. looking on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just say I, I mentioned this to I mentioned this to you um, before the show, Lindsay? But I I had a minor freak out today when I discovered that uh, the voice actress that plays Choo Choo um, voices another perfect and infallible hero of our time. Uh, you know, I'm talking about um, our best girl Ma with three A's for Made in Abyss season two. And I was so upset when I found this out. Well, and then we found out. Wait, mm -hmm. no, no, no. I'm sorry. I got that backwards. Perfect hero, perfect heroine voice actress of Suleta voices Ma with three A's, which is even more adorable. And the voice of Choo Choo is none other than the voice of Rico from Made in Abyss. So what we have right here are our perfect, perfect best Abyss friends reuniting in some uh, technically better alternate universe. And they're they're taking hits and-, and They're still and, kicking ass, yeah. Yeah. So other than- other than Choo Choo just giving that girl a knuckle sandwich over and over and over again. Um, this episode of Gundam was primarily about Saleta trying to pass a exam and she was having difficulty doing it because she needed both a spotter and a mechanic in order to pass. And um, no one wants to team up with her for various different reasons. I don't know why she didn't ask her fiance to start with. But anyway, she ends up being serving as both and um, realizing uh, the Spacians who are all in their own house. I don't know if this is like kind of a Harry Potter-esque thing, but they seem to have houses as well inside this school system. And all the Spacians are kind of together because of course they are because, or no, I'm sorry, all the Earthians are together because you know, the Spaceians yeah. are mean to them in general and do things to sabotage their ability to pass tests. Like the two girls that we saw sitting on the stairs there, they have some sort of slow acting blackout paint. I don't know what you would want that for typically, but they're using it to like spray their robots um, visor visual areas so that they can't see after they get so far into a test and then they can't remove it. And I felt really bad for Saleta because she's like basically doing this whole thing blind. It's all based on, um, God, her name is completely. Mirene. Yeah. Mirene's uh, instruction. And she's just doing it over and over and over again, trying to basically avoid these landmines that regenerate in different areas every time and make it to this outpost to switch weapons and then make it back. And she can't do it. And she can't do it. Um, and Choo Choo can't take her test until uh, Saleta basically gives up. Um, and that's what ends up leading to the punch out. But yeah. Um, so Saleta makes friends. I can't actually remember. I was maybe delirious with fever. Did she pass at the end of the episode or does she still need to retake it? Oh, I'm pretty sure she still needs to retake it because yeah. Yeah. they just they they just go straight from the the punch out to everyone kind of making friends. So I I 
think they still need to retake it. They still need to retake it. But um, that was most of the episode was just sort of centered around uh, centered around that stuff. But I'm glad I'm glad someone got punched. They yeah. deserved it. Well, and it's I also love Choo Choo's little like her her crew back on Earth that's just like cheering her on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Very, very good stuff. Wholesome episode. Yeah. Yeah, they're asking like, "How are you doing? Are they are they being mean to you? Or the the Spaceians giving you too much shit?" And she's like, "Yeah, they are, but you know, I can handle it because I'm choo choo." No, she can. Yeah, that's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. Knock your teeth out. <laughs> it was such a good punch. All right, let's move on uh, to Chainsaw Man. First, this is my favorite screenshot from this week's episode, which is Denji telling Power that she's under arrest. <laughs> The crime of being a fake ass liar. Yes. So this episode, I mean, we got to meet Power in the previous episode, but I feel like this is the one where you kind of really get to know her and um, get a sense of who she is and what she's like to work with. Um, it's just Denji and her for most of it, and we also, you know, find out that Denji's really serious about his desire for boobies and he's gonna, he's gonna touch them boobies. Okay. And he's gonna help power, get her cat back so he can touch her boobies. To be so, fair to Denji. Yeah. He has at no point ever implied that he is not in the booby touching game with 1000% of his heart and soul. That's true. <laughs> That's true. He's been upfront about his, um, about his desire to touch boobies uh, from the beginning. Uh, it actually, that was probably my favorite part of the episode was when uh, Power first offers him like, well, will you help me get my cat back if I let you touch my boobies? And we get, they're like getting, um, they're like at a vending machine little area that's got a bunch of different, and you can see Denji just kind of like turn on a dime and he's like, man, that fucking devil. What does he think he's doing? Getting that innocent cat? I'm going to kill the shit out of that devil. He just like gets really into it. And it's, you know, it's all a facade. Like, when, but... when 30 seconds earlier, his exact words were, uh, it'd be dumb as hell to go through all of that for a cat, but I would do anything to touch some boobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he, he, you know, he puts his best face on. We're going to go get it. Um, and, you know, if you trusted Power for even a second, he probably shouldn't have because she doesn't have any loyalty to him whatsoever. She only intends to feed him to the Bat Devil. It's still really funny to me that he just has a hatchet. Yeah. What is that for? It's for when, even... he, when he doesn't want to chainsaw out, I guess. I guess when he doesn't want to chainsaw out. I mean, it worked on the other guy just lopping the dude's head off. But um, you also kind of find out that Power doesn't, she doesn't know a lot about humankind in general or doesn't have a really good grasp of like um, just human emotion or even just turns of phrase. Because when he's talking about Pochita living on in his heart, he's actually being literal because Pochita is literally in there. But when he explains that to her, she's like, that's dumb. And it hurts his feelings, really. Um, I felt bad for Denji there. But um We'll come back. We'll come back to that. But yeah, she uh, lops him over the head once he kind of figures out. Hey, it's weird. We're approaching this house for this devil that's got your cat, and it, you said if he sees you coming, you'll be suspicious. So shouldn't you be staying back? And she's like, Oh, I did say that, didn't I? Well, anyway, and just kind of knocks him out with the hammer. Uh, 
I, can I just say, because um, we pointed out the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference in the OP. Yeah. Um, can I just say I love that, A, they're very much at a Texas Chainsaw Massacre house um, in the middle of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre plains. And then yeah. she just beats him right over the back of the head with a mallet like a like a good little leather face. And so... It- yeah. Don't think I don't see you, Fujimoto. Yeah. Don't think I don't see you. Yeah. Um, for those who haven't watched the original Chain, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there is a really disturbing scene in the movie that involves trying to hit someone over the head with a mallet. Um, after they've captured uh, the main girl there and like the whole creepy ass family comes out for dinner and it includes like this grandpa who's like nonverbal and just like really old and gross and leather face. And I think there's like two, like two others. And there's, she's, um, there's the hitchhiker. And then there's, uh, there's like the, 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 the cook. Yeah. yeah. And they've got her strapped to a chair and they're trying to get the grandpa to hit her over the head with a mallet to like knock her out under the pretense of like they're going to eat her or something. I think they cut her finger too and like the grandpa starts like sucking the blood out of her finger. Anyway, it's really gross. Um, and this was probably an allusion to that. So yeah. there you go. Um, yeah, so she goes inside with knocked out Denji and we meet the bat devil who is... He's disgusting. Yeah. He's disgusting, but he's weird because he's not like what you probably think of as like a bat necessarily, as far as like personality wise. Like if you're gonna like assign personality attributes to a bat, I wouldn't think they would be like snobs. He's kind yeah. of a snob, right? He's a blood snob, yeah. Yeah, he's a blood snob. Nothing tastes good. Like Denji tastes bad to him. Well, Denji um, probably tastes bad because he's got he's got chainsaw devil all up in his blood. Probably. He likes that pure, uncut, uh, child, virgin, pregnant woman blood. <laughs> that's so that's where he's at. Yeah, yeah, but he can regenerate when he drinks blood. So Denji's enough to get him to get his arm back, which is what got lopped off. But then you know he's a devil, so of course he also eats Meowie, and then which is just cruel. Messed up. Messed up. Okay. And power. She seems like she kind of lets him, though. Well, she lost but, her cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, right after he eats Meow, she, like, turns to Denji. She's like, I understand what you meant about not being able to pet Pochita again. And then he, and then that guy eats her. But we see some, like, interesting scenes of power before she was found by Makima, I guess. Because she says that, you know, he ate Meowie. And she was taken in by Makima after that, before she was able to bring him a new human. So it's actually been kind of a while. And But the timeline's a little iffy. Because it's like, how long did this bat have this cat? I don't think you're really supposed to think about it too much. But um, I like wild power, though. Like, oh, yeah. She probably smells horrible. Oh, so. God. She looks filthy, right? Yeah. She's just got a cat decapitated. That, that is just the funniest picture to me i don't know why just like her casually uh glomping on to that decapitated cow head while the cat drinks its milk like yeah yeah i mean she like nurses meow back to health under the pretense she's gonna eat him but you know of course never does and meow gets real fat and cute and yeah i felt bad for her though when they took her cat you don't mess with you don't mess with the cat that's not right no but Denji's got his priorities. Yeah, Denji's priorities, right? So he goes full chainsaw man. Aw, 
don't remember that. I watched this, but I don't remember that. He goes uh, that's forward. that's when he's um he he is horribly objectifying power by calling her his tits. Yeah. But we see that he really is empathizing with her and he's trying to to help her because he's you know, he can see the pain that she felt losing Miaoi and he knows how that feels because of Pochita. And so yeah. even though there is the lizard part of his brain that is screaming, if you don't save power, what boobs will you touch? <laughs> um, but then there is the deeper, truer part of him yeah. that's also probably screaming about the boobs. But then in the middle, we have that part of him that is also saying, hey, uh, even though I had to arrest her for being a fake ass liar, um, she's okay. She she just wants her pet back too. And I get that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, once again, everything just kind of goes totally crazy, looks amazing the entire time. Just like, I don't know why. I, I think all the gore scenes from Chainsaw Man so far are kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah. I, I, I think this action scene really, and maybe mm -hmm. it's because this is also the part of the manga where I started to to really get like attached to the characters and kind of invested in the story. Mm -hmm. um, but this this action scene against the Bat Devil, I thought was not only better than the zombie devil fight, which is pretty good. Yeah. But this to me that had more character. It was more dynamic. It was more yeah. expansive. Um, this really, I think sold me on the production's ability in general to just get chainsaw man. Right. Yeah. Um, this like this outside of the, the really stark black and white art, which I'm just going to have to accept is just a difference in medium, different in approach. Um, mm -hmm. This is like exactly how I felt when I read that scene, like, and was sort of filling in the blanks in my head. Um, I thought this, I thought this scene really captured pretty much all of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many cool, like close-ups throughout this entire scene. That was, that was really good. Um, and a lot of it was hard to like, and, and it sucks because honestly, so much of what makes the fight great, you can't even capture in like screenshot form. Because yeah. It's just constantly moving constantly you know things are just constantly exploding and um the animation is so solid that it, it isn't one of those anime where you get just a bunch of really cool like key shots and then everything in between looks kind of messy yeah. uh, it looked pristine just from frame to frame yeah yeah um one of my favorite things too is uh the part where Denji is calling her out as a fake ass liar that i think that was probably in the scene in the manga where i first got attached to power too. I was like, oh, she's a dirtbag. I like her. Shit. <laughs> yeah, because this is not the first time, you guys, where she's going to just flat out lie about what happened. Um, even when other people were around to see what happened, she will lie and then she will stick to that lie no matter what if she thinks it will get her out of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, I am curious how, uh, because I don't remember it distinctly, but you can tell she's got kind of a weird relationship with Makima going on too. Like there's, there's some moments in there when Makima's like, before she starts lying where you can tell like she listens to her and mm. it's important to her that she uh, do what Makima wants. Um, like when they start bickering and everything, uh, Makima interrupts them and asks them if they can, you know, if they can work together and fix it and uh, power like actually becomes kind of like not kind of apologetic in, in her tone anyway. And like reaffirms like, yeah, we can do it. It's we can do it. It's okay. I was like, that's interesting because she's not like that with 
anybody else, especially not with Denji. So, um, <laughs> dang it, Nick. Nick yeah. says, uh, if the glove does not fit, Denji did it, not me. <laughs> That's, I mean, I would not be surprised if there was literally a scene in the manga where she just said those exact words. That's, <laughs> that's how power do yeah i'm wondering how many episodes because there wasn't a preview for next episode at the end of this and so i'm curious um how how many more chapters it is until uh we meet the rest of the crew like kobeni and stuff i'm really excited i know, to meet I know. I I want the whole crew <laughs> yeah 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 um also since we've only got a couple minutes left i did want to talk about the ending theme for this episode which IMO until I change my mind, maybe next week is the best one so far. Oh, so good. Just yeah. so uh, gross and grungy and uh, perfectly fit. I, I love that the ending themes aren't just, um, at least so far, they're not just like um, kind of thoughtless crossovers, but they're all very appropriate for like the subject matter of the episode. Yeah. But last week was more chill, more about character development, more about getting into Denji's head and it was a, a much like kind of cuter and sweeter ending theme. Um, and then this one just went so hard with the blood and guts that the, that the ending uh, matched it. And it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, the, the band for this one, for those who didn't know is man with a mission who um, are famous for wearing giant wolf heads for their performances. I don't know yeah. if they've ever revealed their real faces kind of like old school kiss, but not makeup. Just wolf heads. Furry kiss. Furry kiss. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I think that's going to be it for this week. Uh, next week, we'll talk more about Occupy Made War. I didn't get to that one because I was, you know, sick. Um, but we've got more get, of that. Get ready for the best Russian voice acting you've ever heard in an anime. Oh, sorry. This was Maximum the Hormone, not Man with a Mission. My bad. Sorry, guys. Their names start with the same letter. The ending theme was Maximum the Hormone. Man with a Mission is, are they doing an ending theme or did I just make that up? Uh, you might, we talked about Man with a Mission last week because they they did a theme for My Hero. Oh, okay. But I'd be I'd be stoked if Man with a Mission was doing a chance at Man theme though. I yeah, I think that. I might have just mixed them up because Man with a Mission, Maximum the Hormone. Anyway, it was Maximum the Hormone and they did really well. And Maximum the Hormone does not wear wolf heads. So, unfortunately. Whoops. Unfortunately, everyone should. We should all just switch to that, really. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week at the same time. And hope you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye-bye.